0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Let's go now to John chapter 3, and my only pair of glasses broke, and so I'm back to readers until my new ones come in, so y'all bear with me this morning. Uh, Let's look at John chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. After this, Jesus and His disciples went into the Judean countryside, and He remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Enon near uh, Salem, because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized. For John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. They're talking about baptism. And and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. And John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. It's the very Word of God. Thanks be to God. I want us to spend about 15 seconds just preparing our hearts to hear uh, from God this morning through His Word, and then I'll pray for us. Father, Your Word is life. Lord Jesus, You were the way, truth, and life. Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears to the eternal glory whose name is Jesus. May we see Him clearly. May we let go of this world and hold dearly to Him. May we find joy that lasts forever. May we be reminded of that joy. God, restore it to our hearts, even the coldest heart in this place, O God. Restore joy, the joy of the Lord. We pray in His name. Amen. I don't know if you saw the latest issue of uh, Sports Illustrated, but In it, it features Ja, Ja Morant, and it goes back and talks about how uh, Ja responded to being eliminated from um, the playoffs uh, last year in the first round, and it said it basically lit a fire under him, and and he committed to his coaches to go to work, and one of his coaches, uh, assistant coaches, Blake Ahern, gave him a book called, Win in the Dark, And listen to an excerpt from that book. It quotes, The dark is where you transform into a version of yourself you never dreamed possible. We quietly and relentlessly train in the dark with complete trust that our moment under the bright lights will come. Welcome to the dark. What we saw in John Morant from last season to this season is not by accident. He committed himself to be in the silence of the dark so that he could be in the light. And friends, as as we come to this passage again, you probably aren't aren't seeing it, and, and it probably didn't hit you, but as I read it, I thought, why are we going back to John the Baptist again? I mean, let's just get to Jesus. Can we not just stay there? And John, the Gospel writer, says, no, we're stopping with John the Baptist again. Why? Because John the Baptist has found, has, has found a freedom that Jesus brings that, that I want everybody to know. The very purpose of the Gospel of John is that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and might believe in Him and therefore have life where? In His name. And John's whole purpose, because he has spent time in the dark with Jesus, is to point to him and him alone. We see this in chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. John writes, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through his name. What is a witness? A witness is someone who has firsthand account and can tell everybody else what he has seen, heard, and experienced. And that's the beauty of John. John has spent time in the dark. He's been to the quiet of the gym. He has shunned social media. He has shunned the eye of the public. He has gone to the gym. He has spent time alone with Jesus. And he has experienced personally a freedom like none other. And it's a freedom that John, the gospel writer, wants us all to know through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a freedom that's available to you and to me this morning. It's the freedom that that John has. He didn't even care what he wore. Dude is walking around in camel's hair. I mean, (laughs) the guy's eating locusts. I mean, you you say, this guy's out of his mind. No, he just doesn't care what you think about him. So much so, he has eaten up with Jesus so much so that he doesn't even care about his life. His head will be served on a platter in the coming weeks. And he was filled with joy to even have his head removed for the sake of his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this. And you say, Richard, where are you getting all this? Look down at verses 29 through 30. This is John the Baptist. Therefore this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, and I must decrease. This is not John, uh, out of obligation and duty, saying, okay, 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 I'll put Jesus first, and I'll just kind of, you know, this is him saying, now my joy is complete. Who wants to have so much joy that you want to leave this place, you want to leave your house in the morning, you want to tell your neighbors, you want to tell those at work, you want to go to the world and say, oh, I've got some hope. I've got some hope, and His name is Jesus, and it's real. It's not just some message to listen to sitting still in a worship service, but this is a Jesus that can meet you in your brokenness. This is a Jesus who can meet you in your pain. This is a Jesus who, who cares about what's happening in Ukraine, who came to do something about the dead bodies strewn, the one who is going to bring peace one day someday, the one who's going to bring flourishing, the one who's going to bring the nation, the, the kingdom of God Himself to the world where there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more starvation, no more fear. You see, there is a king who is coming. Who wants to have that joy and be reminded by that joy, or maybe believe in that king once again, or for the first time this morning? This is true freedom that John has, not to merely think less of himself, but to think of himself less. He is full of Jesus, and he wants others to know about this Lord. Well, how did he get full of Jesus? He went to the dark. And when you go to the dark and you spend time with Jesus, here are some things that happen. Joy rooted in Jesus comes from seeing Him as your Savior. And that happens in the dark. You've got to get alone with Him, and you'll find the joy of Him being your Savior. Let's unpack this whole idea of Jesus as Savior. That is not uh, a—this whole idea of salvation is not a subtle term. It's a term that that assumes desperation— it's the tone of the voice of Ukrainian President Zelensky when he is pleading on, you know, the, the, the tapings of him speaking to the world, saying, don't just send aid. You've got to do more. If we don't stop Russia now, they're coming for you. This is desperation. This is the desperation in the voice from a Ukrainian pastor that wrote this um, just this week. He said, good evening, friends. Please pray for us in all caps, exclamation point. You can't even imagine what's going on here. My family and I are, 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 uh, in our church are on the left bank. By God's grace and His mercy, we're still alive. However, our city is nearly wiped off the face of the earth. It's all but completely destroyed." There's no electricity. Utility cables are strewn on the ground. There's no gas as the pipeline is damaged. In the streets, people cluster around open cooking fires. There's no water. Everyone is hungry. Shops are ruined. Shelling, cannon shots, air bombs rain on us. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. This is the kind of desperation that that precedes salvation. When you are hungry for salvation, you look for rescue. And this is the picture of, of salvation in the scriptures. It just I couldn't pass it up in verses 14 through 15. We didn't read them this morning, but we read them last week. John. The gospel writer points to an incident in the history of Israel uh, as recorded in Numbers 21 when the people of God were grumbling in the desert, grumbling in the wandering, and and what did God do? He judged them by sending snakes, and these snakes are biting the Israelites, and they're dying, and so they come back to Moses, uh, and they say, Moses, you got to go to God, and so Moses goes to God, and God says, okay, I hear your prayer. Fashion a fiery serpent out of bronze, put it on a pole and lift it up, and everyone who looks to that serpent will live. And that is what John is pointing back to. He's reminding us of this desperate situation when the people of God were grumbling and being judged by God, but, oh, God sends the deliverance. You see, that is the cry. Listen in verses 14 through 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? That whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. When you see your need, you will seek your rescue. Here's the reality. Jesus doesn't just make our lives better. He saves us from sin and death. There is something happening to us, something has happened to us, that we need to be saved from. John points to it in verses, um, in verse 36, he holds out the hope. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But then, listen, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. We are seeing the destruction of wrath in Ukraine, and, and, and that is the depiction, that is the imagery that we are supposed to have of our spiritual condition outside of God's provided means of salvation. Destruction, death, misery. Notice, he doesn't just rescue us. He gives us life. Jesus rescues us to himself. this, This imagery throughout the scriptures is that our problem is that we're not God-consumed, but we're self-consumed. The Scriptures even refer to us as adulterers, but we're having an affair on God with ourselves. (laughs) We're thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. We're more committed to us than to Him. And salvation, therefore, is the divine act of the Spirit of Christ turning our hearts from inward to ourselves to Him and finding life in him and not trying to seek life in ourselves according to our own capabilities. You see, Jesus says, turn away from yourself, and I will give you myself. I will forgive the adulterer, and I won't just forgive him, but I will pull the covers back. As the the bridegroom, I will say, come to me. That's the restoration that we have. And John has experienced this, not so much his disciples. They are caught up in tribalism. They're caught up in, hey Jesus, or or, excuse me, hey John, all these people are following this other guy over here. And John's like, yeah, that's the whole reason I came, that people might look away from us and start following him. Joy comes as we stop competing and simply give ourselves to Jesus have you is is the reality of him as your savior is that fresh to you this morning does that bring you joy this morning that's you need to go spend time in the dark you need to go contemplate your life You need to meet Jesus in His Word and ask Him to let the reality of the joy of your salvation begin to fester in your heart, that it might begin to overflow. When you also go to the dark with Jesus, you will find joy that comes as Jesus sets you free from the need to prove yourself. Jesus doesn't just save you. He frees you from so much. And the biggest thing that He frees you from, I believe is the imprisonment of having to prove yourself. The imprisonment of needing to perform in order to get love. I'm going to step out a little bit and use an illustration from This Is Us, the final chapter. Now, hear me. I'm not promoting this. I'm getting no money, uh, no royalties. Uh, I'm not even asking you to watch this. But I did watch this, and there was an illustration on, I believe it was the last episode, within the last two episodes, I saw two in one night, that just really portrayed the gospel. Uh, Beth, if you ever watched This Is Us, um, as a child was a dancer, and uh, this is Randall's wife, and she, um, uh, as a dancer, um, right after her father died, was really struggling And her dance teacher, um, the head of whatever conservatory she was with, or dance group she was with, ballet group, um, replaced her. No understanding, just replaced her. And that's been a big wound in her life. Well, now she's the head of a scholarship program at an elite conservatory. And she she just chose 15 girls out of 200 applicants. And one of the girls is named Stacy. And Stacy is kind of subpar. She's not the best dancer. And even at one point, Stacy asked, "Why in the world did you choose me?" And Beth said, "Because I see a fire in you that reminds uh, me uh, re- reminds uh, me of you." And so the big recital night comes, and you know there's this big buildup, and Stacy is on the stage, and she's dancing, and all of a sudden she just crashes on the floor. And there's this, you know, horrific kind of, um, you know, moment where the crowd doesn't know what to do. There's silence. And she's on the ground. Beth is on the side. And Beth walks out to the stage, kind of like this. Everybody's watching. And she leans down. And she says, are you okay? She says, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Well, can you get, I can't get up. And she knows that fear and shame and embarrassment is just paralyzing her. And this girl's on the ground. And then Beth says this to her. Again, everybody watching. When I was dancing, I fell. And it was a different kind of fall, bigger than this. And I felt so alone. Stacy, I want you to know, I will sit with you on this stage until everyone here gets bored and tired and leaves one by one or you can get up and start again and i'll be waiting for you right off stage after you take your bow Then she said this either way those two options you cannot disappoint me and i ain't going nowhere now what do you think stacy did well this is tv she got up and she danced because she went from dancing for approval to dancing from approval. Here's the thing identity comes from the outside end. I, I quoted um, um, a psychiatrist. Um, whose name escapes me right now, Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Kurt Thompson, Dr. Kurt Thompson, who said that nobody gets out of shame alone. Someone has to come rescue them. Remember that? Identity is the same way. We can't find our identity alone. Someone has to speak over us. Someone has to convince us that that we are not alone, and we have worth. And, and this is the whole message of the gospel. This is John's message. Listen, in, in chapter 1, 26 through 28, I baptize with water, but oh, among you stands one. In other words, don't don't put your identity on me as your preacher. Don't, you know, I'm a religious leader, and okay, I may be the most popular right now, but no. No, you have lost your mind if you're looking to me. He says, no, I'm baptizing with water, but among you stands one you do not even know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. I'm not even worthy to touch his feet. The sandals on his feet. He goes on. The next day, John sees Jesus coming toward him and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Friends, your work can't take away your sin. You can get your work, you can work and work and work and try to get your work to love you to that extent, and it won't. You can go after beauty, you can try to craft your body, you you can craft your game, you can craft your mind, but nothing's going to love you like Jesus. Nothing can take your sin, nothing can say, I will absorb your shame and I will love you. No one can love us like that, only the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what John the Baptist is saying. He's saying, I have seen and bore witness to this, that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the one that can give you what you want. This was John's message. Again, in verses 35 through 36 of chapter 1, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Remember, I'm just a messenger, but oh, there's the Lamb himself in the flesh. And it's not that John was self-loathing. He was just Jesus praising He was not self-loathing. He was Jesus praising. He was not trying to, to press himself down. He was knowing that he will press himself up when he raises Jesus up. Because Jesus calls us from sin to love. He calls us from rejection to reconciliation with God. The very thing that we were made for, the very one we were made by, is the very one who will redeem our souls to the point that we can live convinced of our worth because He has declared it over us. Because He has called us to Himself, and He has died for us. That is the kind of worth we were created for. Not a worth based on our performance, but a worth based on the finished performance of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we have an identity that gives us boldness To live in a way where we can handle rejection. That's the gospel of Jesus. I was thinking about, obviously, thinking about a whole lot about this this week. Do you know, we are genuinely, the scriptures tell us, Jesus calls us in the Sermon on the Mount, not just to love our friends, but to love our enemies. Church hadn't done that. We have condemned the world. We are the ones that point out sinners in the world and remove ourselves from them. And what's so wrong with that is the fact that Jesus redeemed it. Jesus sees us and moves toward us. But when he does that, he empowers us to do the exact same thing. He empowers us to love those we totally disagree with. That maybe we, what, you know, the acts of those that may even disgust us. Why? Because our acts disgusted God, and He didn't move away. He came close, and He died for us. This gospel must move us to joy of seeing our salvation, of getting a new identity, so that we might be in the world but not of the world but to be of the love of God, to have our identity rest on His finished work. Do you know the freedom this morning available to you? I mean, I don't know about you, but I am constantly needing to hear the gospel that my identity is not my performance. This morning, I had Sergei, who's I'm sure listening, text me and say, bro, your mic is on. I was over here talking, and my mic was on. And in that moment, I felt humiliated, and I'm sitting back there going, I'm about to preach about my identities in Jesus, and my identity went in Jesus right before this message. That's how much we need it. It's not second nature to base our identity. It is one foot after another. It is one tiny step. It is one breath after another. It's being reminded again and again and again and again and again, my identity is the proven worth of Jesus, his finished work, what he has done for me, not what I do for him. He will love me right here where I am. He doesn't say, clean up and come to me. He says, I cleaned up for you, and I'm coming to you in all your dirt. Do you feel dirty this morning? Jesus says, I'm right by you. Open your eyes. Receive him. Receive his love. Receive his hug. That's the Jesus of the scriptures. And then when you can do that, then and only then when you go hug somebody else. (laughs) <laughs> then and only then when you go tell somebody else about Jesus. It's gotta, you've got to preach a Jesus you need and a Jesus you're receiving, not some hypothetical Jesus sitting on his throne waiting for you to go evangelize so that he can finally be proud of you. Oh, I finally shared my faith at work. Jesus says, and? How about get so full of my love that you can't you don't even know you're doing it when you're doing it? You're just talking about the joy. The joy is so overflowing from you. You're not thinking about evangelistic. All you're doing is just speaking His praise. I don't know if you saw this story. Rachel and I saw it on the news this week. But last Sunday morning, a Florida highway patrol trooper by the name of Tony Shuck, female um, patrol woman, was working a 10K that I guess they were running across the Tampa Bay Bridge. And... Um, And this drunk driver was just careening, like high speed, heading toward the bridge. And this female patrol officer had a decision to make. Do I point my uh, car toward her or do I run? And she pointed her car, her Chevy Tahoe patrol car, toward this drunk driver and went right to her. And you, you, you can watch, Google it, not now, but later, uh, the, the camera inside her car showing the impact. Unbelievable. No telling how many lives she saved. And then guess what happened? All of these runners heard about it. And what do they start doing? Sending flowers, publicly thanking her. Posting on Facebook, giving her praise, giving her acclamation. Why? Because her sacrifice saved their lives. And it was natural. Nobody had to say, well, we're organizing a uh, time over here. Do you give thanks? They were like, we're just giving thanks. Because they were saved. (laughs) And they knew it. And they gave thanks to her. Friends, that's evangelism. As I look at this passage, I look at John verses 30, the last verses 31 through 36. All John is doing is praising Jesus. He, he's, he's trying to get his disciples to turn away from themselves and away from him to Jesus. He says, Not only am I not upset that all these people are following Jesus, I want you to leave me and follow Jesus because I'm leaving you to follow Jesus. It's about him, not me. And he says this, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God. That's who you go to. Dear friends, there's so many messages. I can, we can be encouraged by going to Instagram or Twitter and getting nice little pithy one-liners. That really can give you a little encouragement for the day. There are practices, meditation, vacation, even you know taking time off. There are practices that that. Will give you some benefit. But there is no one that can deal with the reality of your sin and the reality that death is hovering over you, and who can say, I have conquered sin and death for you, so that now if you believe in me, you you live though you die. I preached the funeral of one of my best friends a couple of weeks ago. I literally stood over his coffin. And I I recited those words. Even though he's died, we know he's living. Is that your hope this morning? Well, friends, you don't have to wait until you die to live. That's what I see with John. He has joy now. So much joy. Even knowing his future, knowing it's not going to be received very well. He has joy now. And some of you may think you're alive right now. I'm doing okay right now. We live in the West. We live in a time of peace. We are afforded a whole lot of ridiculous thinking and living. And Jesus says, you're being deceived. You just think you're living now. But, oh, there's a party. (laughs) There is a party And Jesus doesn't just bring the best wine and the most wine, as we saw at the wedding of Cana, but Jesus brings Himself. And He can be your joy. He can be your joy when the bombs are falling, and He can be your joy when you lose that job or you feel like an idiot because your mic was on and you were talking. He can be your joy when you have all the money in the world and no money in the world. When you are married or not married. When you have a bunch of friends or you ain't got any friends. He can be your joy when you make the team and when you're cut from the team. He can be your joy when you pass the test or you don't pass the test. He can be your joy no matter what your circumstance. because And that is what you were made for is to know His love and be confident of His acceptance. Do you know His love, and are you confident of His acceptance this morning? Friends, come to Jesus. Believe on Him. Go to the dark and spend some time with Him, and keep going back because there's no one better. Lord Jesus, thank You. Thank You for the hope that we have in You, Oh, forgive us for all the worthless idols that we run to. Forgive us for all the empty thoughts. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that we would come to you, that we would rest in you, that we would find the life for which we've been created and find that you are better than the best wine. You're better than the most wine. (laughs) You're better than any job, any body we could possess, any face that we long for. Any car, any house, any anything—you're better. You're better. You're better. Lord oh, Jesus, continue to woo us to Yourself, and may many of us be wooed to You this morning, that we might go tell the world that oh, there's one, there's one who pointed His body in the direction of the oncoming sin and death, and took the blow for us. Oh Lord Jesus, may it be so. Come, Holy Spirit. And now, just in the quietness of our hearts, may we respond however we are moved to respond. Father, it was a moment like this uh, 34 or so years ago that you drew me to yourself for the first time. Would you do that for someone? Would you do that for many someones in this place? And Lord Jesus, it's moments like this that I've been drawn back to you (laughs) hundreds of thousands of times. Would you do that for many of us, all of us? Lord Jesus, you increase, we decrease, become beautiful to us again, become most beautiful to us again. God, restore the joy of our salvation. Make it fresh. Make it real. Impress our souls, O oh God, with the beauty of the work of your Son Jesus and the person of Jesus Himself. Holy Spirit, come blow through our hearts. Don't leave us as we are. God, the one who feels hopeless this morning, I pray that you would give them the hope of Jesus. I pray that you would crash through the lies that they've been believing about themselves. Lord, no matter what's going on in their lives, help them to see there's one that will love them. There's one whose arms are open. There's one who is saying, you're enough in me. Come home. Lord, bring them home. May we stop trying to perform. May we just be still and know that You are God, and You love us. Holy Spirit, make it real. Make it real. Make it real. Make it real for the glory of Jesus and the good of Your people, we pray. Amen. And if you want to talk about a life with Jesus, if you've never started that, if that would this would be your first time to ever trust Jesus and make that kind of profession, or even if you are skeptical and you want to talk to somebody about that skepticism, uh, please stay at Downtown Church. Bring your questions, bring your confusion, bring your anger, bring it all, because we want this to be a place that you process, um, that you really... Uh, come to the reality of either the truth of Jesus or not for you. Um, And so that's what we want here. So I'll be over here. Uh, Someone else, I believe, will be over here. Uh, Let's stand now for the benediction. This is God's blessing on his people, so hold out your arms and receive it from his word. Uh, Downtown Church, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you much peace. Go in peace, dear friends. Thank you.